I want to read something to you out of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, where it begins in verse 2. It'll be up on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you. Paul says, I tell you, now, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Do you remember when COVID was supposed to be like three weeks long? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I actually remember, you'll see a picture here in a moment, March 15th, 2020. It was the first time that we closed the doors on a Sunday morning in the history of this church. And this was the view. Uh, it was a tearful moment to stand here and that be the view. And to go out in the foyer and have what brings so much life, you know, what Jesus has done, done here in this church, all that life to not be there in the foyer. And at the time, I remember that morning, I left here, went and had breakfast with my family and my sister, you know, siblings. My sister said, well, how does it feel to be the first pastor in the history of West Bulls to close the doors on a Sunday morning? I said, too soon, Kyla, little too soon. But at that time, we were all thinking, you know, three weeks and we'll get back to normal. And then we all put masks on. And, and I know for, for many people, everybody, everybody has landed somewhere differently with masks. But we all thought, you know, a few weeks, we'll be back to normal. And then we had to distance. We had to quarantine. And I know the thought in my mind was, a few weeks of this, and we'll be back to normal. And then three weeks became 12 weeks. And 12 weeks became six months. And six months became a year and change. And now a year and change later, we reemerge into a world that has changed. There's no denying it's changed. I mean, one example. You ready for this? This one took my breath away probably more than anything. Snow days. Do you realize snow days may be a thing of the past? I mean, that was like part of the joy of childhood. No offense, teachers. But we know you were cheering on snow days too. And I think Jefferson County Public Schools had like one snow day, but we implemented Zoom. And so now there's not much need for snow days. Side note, parents, okay? I learned this. This was, this was a, a win during COVID. That first day that Jeffco said it's actually a remote learning day and the kids need to be on Zoom, you can have Ken Carroll Sledding Hill all to yourself. And I did. I did for two runs. And then I realized, oh, I usually make my kids carry the tube back up the hill. So I went home. Anyway, snow days. It's changed. Now, when we hear somebody cough near us, we kind of think about it a little bit, don't we? For all the ways that our culture has found to create divisions among people, there's a new division that's been created. Or at least there's an attempt at it between the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. And some people are very, very passionate about it. I'm not, I'm not knocking it. It's just an observation. We live in a world that has changed. But you know what else has changed? The church has changed. The church has absolutely changed. We had to go online only, as many of you know. And you know what I discovered during COVID? We have somebody, our, our congregation is, is one person bigger than I ever thought it was. We have somebody who joins us from England every single week. See, that's what this did. That's part of what this did. I got an email from somebody a couple months ago. They join us from Texas every single week. At the same time, I grieve because there are people who used to sit in this room that because of health complications, because of health concerns, they now, instead of sitting in this room, they join us through these cameras. 
And we mourn that because we all know something happens face to face, doesn't it? Yeah, something happens. But I guess I'm here this morning to remind us that this verse now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. This verse did not disappear over the last year and change from scripture. And the the abundance of resources, if you have trusted your life to Jesus Christ, the abundance of spiritual resources that you have because of him, that is still there. And what God is up to in his heart for humanity, that never changed throughout all of this. You want to know why? Because he's a God with staying power. That's staying power. And he's chosen at the cross and the empty tomb to give us that staying power as well. And so that means some things for going forward. Because, see, he's a God who wants to reach people, and he's chosen to say to us, I want to use you to reach people. And so for all the angst and and for all the frustration and anger and sadness and grief and tears of the last year, you know what? God never stopped. God never stopped. And even though the world changed in front of our eyes, God kept doing what God always does. And God's heart for people has remained a heart for people. And so I say all that to say we reemerge into a world and we now have a choice for how we go forward. See, a lot of times, you know what we try to do after change? We try to do that thing that I said a little bit ago, back to. If we could just get back to normal, back to, back to, back to. And we could go that way, But you know what's going to happen? And and here's what I've noticed even in me. Whenever I'm trying to get back to, I end up really, really frustrated because when something in front of me doesn't feel like back to, I start to fight it. And I start to lose sight of everything I received at the cross when Jesus died on my behalf and on your behalf. And so I just want us to walk through part of 2 Corinthians chapter 6 this morning because there I believe Paul gives us this really big picture of ministry and what God is up to and a better approach than trying to get back to. Listen to what he says. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 1. He says, as God's co-workers. Did you catch that? That's not back to language. That's next to language. That's the kind of language that says God wants to do this. He could do this without us, and he chose to do it with us. And so he wants to give us every single thing we need to do and carry out what he is up to in this world. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. Now, in vain, that's a, that's a phrase we use a lot, right? What is receiving God's grace in vain? Well, when you read what Paul has to say, receiving God's grace in vain would be to receive this incredible gift of what Jesus did for us at the cross and then live our lives as if it had no effect whatsoever. To maybe even try to go back to the way I wanted it, the way I thought it should be. And yet this gospel message that has rolled through the centuries, you'll notice through the centuries, everything has changed. There have been pandemics, there have been wars, there, have been, uh, there was the industrial age, the, the, before that the agricultural age, we're now in a digital age, and the gospel continues. And Jesus continues to fulfill his promise, I will build my church, and not even the gates of hell will overcome it. But to receive God's grace in vain would, would, would be to get all that, to have God say, you have all that, and yet you remain the same as you were before. 
And that's a mirror that's held up to every single one of us and one I know I've been convicted of very recently. So Paul says, this incredible gift, don't receive it in vain. And then here's our, here's our verse we were at. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. And you know what we do? We like to, we like to think of that in, in strictly just an evangelistic sense, like reaching people. And it absolutely is true. But I want to remind you that this is the middle of a letter to a church of people who've been following Jesus Christ. And he says, no, 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 even to you, now is the time of God's favor. That is, on that day, some of you may remember the exact moment you gave your life to Jesus Christ, and you remember how incredible that was, and maybe you grasped at some level all that God has given you in that. The same spiritual resources you received on that day, you have now. Each of us has now, because now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. I I will never forget, and I've been thinking about the graduates lately. I'll never forget my own high school graduation. I I remember this well-meaning person giving a speech, a a classmate of mine, and they said this thing that everybody cheered at. They said, today is the best day of our lives. I was like, what? This is terrible. This is like four hours. We had a class of between four and 500 people at Columbine. And I just remember thinking, I have to sit through every single name? Like, can we say my name and can I go? I mean, this is, if this is the best day of our lives, this is awful, all right? (laughs) No offense, grads. I'm just hoping it gets better for you from here, all right? But oftentimes, this is what we do. We talked about this right after Easter, right? We point at the cross, we point at maybe a moment at an altar call, no, no doubt, a powerful moment. But, but God did not mean for us to trust our lives to Christ at the cross and then get, to get through life and be sanctified by our own efforts and our own work. He simply did not mean for that. Jesus said, I've come that they may have life abundant, not just in eternity, but here on earth. And so Paul is saying to those at the church at Corinth, you have a ministry. You have a ministry and you have all of God's favor with you. In the middle of all that they were facing at that time, in the middle of all that we face at this time, you have God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. So that means something. As we hear that for ourselves and then we look elsewhere, listen to what Paul says. He says, we put no stumbling block No stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. See, when you walk in here over those doors, over the doors from the foyer into the sanctuary, our mission is up there. Connect with Jesus, connect with people, connect people with Jesus. And what Paul's getting at is you could actually go about, which really falls under the greater mission of Jesus, when he said, go and make disciples. And Paul says, listen, you could actually carry out ministry in such a way that people could get tripped up. And they could begin to think that ministry is something that it isn't. And Paul, I believe, begins to outline it as we walk through this passage. And as I look at what Paul has to say, I see three shifts that he points out that have to happen for us. As I read this, I just went, oh my goodness, that's convicting. I know those are three, three things I've got to consider shifting. And so as a church, I want to propose three shifts that every single one of us considers making. 
as we walk forward at the heart level. Actually, for, you've heard this one from me many times, water slide baptisms, I'm telling you guys, it would be incredible. But that is not in the passage. So we'll talk about, we'll have a town hall meeting and I'll, I'll show you the blueprint I've got. So first shift, getting beyond our preferences. Getting beyond our preferences, because oftentimes aren't our preferences that it would go very smoothly according to what I think it should be? Listen to what Paul says. Verse 4, rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger. Now, We can relate to some of those, and some of those we may never have to face in this life. They were unique to Paul and unique to the church at that time. Or they may be unique to the church now in other parts of the world. I mean, I think about the underground church in China and the things that they have to face. You know what is not there? (laughs) There's not a lot of bickering, and, and this comes from somebody in our own congregation who spent a significant amount of time in China. You know what's not there? A lot of bickering over preferences. See, this last year, if anything, it has brought out our preferences, hasn't it? We've talked about this a little bit. Because we've all been kind of confined to our own four walls. And depending on the narrative that you've taken in, you kind of begin to form some thoughts and some assumptions, don't you? And we can begin to think, well, that's not how it should be. And I think this, we come across somebody that sees it differently, and suddenly there's a rift in the relationship. See, you may have to preach you the gospel before you ever go preach anybody else the gospel. I mean, I've, I've been amazed at the, at the details that have, have like waylaid me this last year. Things that were just beyond, weren't even on my radar before the pandemic, suddenly became really big issues to me. And there may be something to that, but a lot of times <laughs> I needed to come back. I needed to come back to the spiritual abundance that we received at the cross. So can we get beyond our preferences? I kind of like to think of it this way. A year ago, you guys, I think this was out of love, gave me 18, for my birthday, 18 packages of double stuff Oreos. (laughs) Now, I'd like to think that was love, but I kind of feel like you're trying to get rid of me, actually, so... (laughs) But can you imagine going through life thinking you want to live to 80, 90 years old and just eating whatever you prefer? No. No, you wouldn't make it. You wouldn't make it. But see, that's what happens when we camp out on our preferences. Paul says, now. Now is the time. Even when things aren't what you prefer, even when it's not what you like, now is the time. You still have God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Now is your access to all that you have in Jesus Christ. He moves on to another shift. Getting beyond our preferences, beyond our strength. Look at what Paul points at. He says it's not just in hardship and it's not just in endurance or anything like that, but in purity, verse six, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness. In the Holy Spirit and in sincere love. In truthful speech and in the power of God with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report. Well, that's interesting. 
See, a lot of times, I, when I see something I don't like, when I see a need, when I see somebody I need to go to, you know, I often revert to my own strength. Like maybe, maybe if I just entertain them enough, or maybe if I just do enough for them, maybe if I just show up every single moment that I can, they'll make it. And yet when you read this list of what Paul just said, those are all things that our, our best effort on our best day, we're going to fall. We're going to mess up. And too often, just an observation, and I, and I even think about the way I grew up in church. I often thought that it had to do with what you could do. Not what God could do through you, but what you could do. You had to be supremely gifted, ultra-talented, But you know where that stops? That stops on us. That stops with our strength. Paul's pointing out a list of things that we do not have. Our best selves on our best days, we don't have it because of what sin has done to us. So how do you get those things? Well, Luke 11 reminds us. Jesus one day was talking to to the disciples and he says, let me me tell you how to pray. And then he gives them an analogy and he says, you know what prayer is? Prayer is like going to a neighbor in the middle of the night and knocking and knocking and knocking. And even if that neighbor were to say, go away, if you were to keep knocking and keep knocking and keep knocking, finally he would open the door and he would give you what you ask. And then Jesus follows that. And he says, if we as human beings know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more does our heavenly father give us the spirit when we ask? See, if I'm looking at ministry and I'm depending on my strength, And if we're looking at ministry and reaching the world for Christ and we're depending on what we can do or maybe making excuses because of what we can't do, you know what's not happening? We're not asking. We're not asking for a strength beyond our own. See, now is the time of God's favor. You have only to ask. Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. He moves into a third shift. Beyond our preferences beyond our strength, beyond our understanding. He has a series of yets that he says here in verse eight. He said, we're genuine, yet we're regarded as, excuse me, regarded as imposters. We're known, yet regarded as unknown. Dying, and yet we live on. Beaten, and yet not killed. Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Poor, yet making many rich. Having nothing, and yet possessing everything. Let me just ask, what is your perception on you? I mean, if if God were to say to you, I want to use you to reach the people that you're in contact with every single week or the people that I bring into your life, what's your first thought? I mean, do preferences come up? Do strengths or weaknesses come up? See, a lot of times our perception has a lot to do with what's logical to us and how we look to other people. And so for years and years, I know I've, I've made the excuse, I can't do that. That wouldn't make any sense. I can't do that. I would, I would like lose friends over that. They wouldn't want to talk to me anymore. Richard Foster says it this way. He says, oftentimes we talk needlessly. And we talk needlessly because we really talk in order to straighten out other people's perception of ourselves. When really, silence is exactly what God wants. But see, that series of yets, 
That means that I can walk through this world and I'm willing to be misunderstood, that people may take it the wrong way, and you can know that God is still doing something through it. You'd absolutely know that he's doing something through all of it. Beyond our preferences, beyond our strength, beyond our understanding. Paul says if, if we could get there, if we could just get there, you know what would happen? Ministry would happen. And it's not a back-to thing. It's not a back-to in a world that may never go back to some things. It's a next-to thing. That is, God, I don't want to fall behind you, and I don't want to get ahead of you. I want to be right in lockstep with you. Whatever you're doing in the moment. So I'm going to lay down my preferences. Lay down my strengths. Lay down my own understanding of what you're up to. See, you know what sin does to us? What sin has done to us is it's caused us to just camp out in those places. You know, if it's not this, and I can't do this, and it doesn't, I don't understand it to be this, then, then that's it. I'm out. And we write ourselves off when God the whole time is saying, now is the time. I, you have my favor. Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. But when I get focused on my back to I miss God's next to work that he's up to. And we shrink. We shrink down to the size of ourselves. And so Paul, seeing this going on in the Corinthian church, he points it out. And here's what he has to say. Excuse me, this is verse 11. He says, we've spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children, open wide your hearts also. You know what another translation says? Repent. Repent. That's that word that we sometimes shy away from. Change direction. I found still another translation of this passage, and it said, be enlarged. Be enlarged. So I went and looked up, you know, this in the Greek. And really what that word is getting at is capacity. Grow in your capacity for God to use you. If, if you could let go of your preferences, if you could let go of depending on your own strength, if you and I could let go of what makes sense to us and our own understanding, you know what would happen? Paul points it out. You would be enlarged you would actually have greater ministry capacity everywhere you go. Can you imagine that? We'd actually grow in our capacity. And so as I was, as I was sitting walking through this, I just made a, a note. And, and it's just a, a note in the margins that I'll share with you. And it was this, that when you get beyond you, so do other people. When you and I, when we get beyond us, so do other people. Because if you were to listen to the world and their reasons for not engaging with Jesus, you know what you'll find out? It's rarely Jesus' fault in their eyes. Whose fault is it usually? His followers. People like to point at his followers, and whether that's fair or not, you know what Paul says? We don't need to be a stumbling block. We don't have to be a stumbling block. If, if we could get beyond our preferences, our strength, our understanding— You know what would happen? We would actually point people beyond us. They'd not get tripped up at us, but they would see the one who's at work beyond us. And you want to know why you can do it? Because right there, Jesus made it about you. And he made it about me. 
And so all the days of our lives, you know what we get to say? Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. I, I had to be reminded of this uh, just recently. A couple of weeks ago, the reason um, I wasn't here, I flew out to Tennessee. There was a young man that we had in the youth group here years ago, and he married a girl from Tennessee. And so flew out to Tennessee, out to Nashville with, with Kara. And I remember just, you know, when you're on a plane, you, you just think 30,000 foot thoughts because you're at 30,000 feet in the air. But you also just think these grand, inspiring thoughts. And so I'm, I'm all, all, all my attention is on the wedding because that's where God is going to do some work, right? This is, this is what we like to do. We like to speculate when God is actually going to work, right? It's like on a Sunday morning at 10 a.m., we're going to schedule God working right then. Or it's during a sunrise, he's going to give me that inspiration or a sunset. Or this is, this is the one that we all love, right? When you're, um, when you're at the grocery store, and you're trying to find a spot. And God just opened the front spot of the parking lot. You know, that's, we like to be inspired that way, right? That's how God works. And we schedule him. We schedule him. You know, my preference, my strength, my understanding of how he works. So thinking these kinds of thoughts on the plane. Yeah, it's, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be inspiring. The wedding's just going to be this, this sweet, sweet moment. So we land at Nashville International Airport. I have a message, of a voicemail, and it's the car rental company because we're supposed to pick up a car at the airport. The guy said, yeah, we've got uh, no cars left for you. And we had to drive like an hour away. No cars left for you. I was like, what? I have a confirmation number. So I call him and I find out, and many of you, you may know this, at the beginning of COVID, the car rental companies lost all kinds of business. And so they sold off their fleets of cars. And, and they haven't bought back any cars yet. They're, they're in the process of doing it. But on top of it, as we all know, it, it's been hard to get people back to work as well. So I get this voicemail. I call the guy. I get that news. And then I look at the car rental company counters at Nashville International Airport. And how long do you think those things were? Like out to the runway, honestly. But not honestly, but they were long. It might as well have been, okay? So I'm thinking, I'm thinking. I go, okay, there's an Enterprise Rent-A-Car. I pulled it up on a map. We went like 10 minutes away, caught an Uber, went to this Enterprise Rent-A-Car about 10 minutes away. And, you know, the mood, after being 30,000 feet in the sky and the sun and above the clouds, the mood in Nashville was, uh, it was cloudy because it was cloudy and it was raining. And that was kind of my mood as this is all happening. I walk into Enterprise Rent-A-Car, and this guy said, you're here for a car? I said, yeah. He's like, we'll see. You know, there's a shortage. And I was like, is this just like all of you guys, all of your line, there's a shortage? So he's, he's checking through the system, and he says, what do you do? And I need you to know, this is a dilemma for pastors, okay? <laughs> because some people, you tell them you're a pastor, and like, they get somebody else to help you. Or, or they like, the conversation just stops. And immediately I'm thinking, I would prefer not to tell this guy I'm a pastor. I'd rather not tell this guy I'm a pastor. I, my understanding would be this guy is going to be defensive if I tell him I'm a pastor. And you know, God sometimes just goes, so the words came out of my mouth. Oh, I'm a pastor at a church. Immediately, you know what he says? Oh, brother, I am in the battle right now. 
Let me ask you, was it a coincidence there were no cars available at the airport? Not a chance. But if I were to go off my understanding and my preferences, there would have been cars available. And so he pulls it up on the machine, he says, and then he says this. As I'm thinking about this passage for this week, he said, man, God is having favor on you right now, bruh. <laughs> and I went, well, I think I know what you just meant, but what did that mean? He said, we got one car left. But suddenly this wasn't about the car anymore. In fact, our conversation carried out into the parking lot. And he began to talk about the struggle it's been for him to come back to the spiritual resources he knows, deep down he knows he has in Jesus Christ when he trusted his life to him. And it's been a battle every single day. Every single day. And suddenly this is no longer about a car. It was that God made me aware. Nathan, if you'll just get beyond you, you'll see I'm at work beyond you. And when you get beyond you, other people come back and they're reminded that I'm at work beyond you. And so we talked for about 30 minutes in the parking lot. We returned the car a few days later. He was there. And I discovered that God's kingdom was just a little bit bigger that day. One person bigger. And now we got somebody out in Tennessee that joins us from time to time on Sunday mornings. Now, that is not a Nathan thing. That is not a West Bulls thing. That is just what God does. And you only get to see it if you get beyond the preferences, depending on your strength, relying on your understanding. And so as the worship team comes back up, let us all consider 2 Corinthians chapter 6 this week. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord... (laughs) In your great mercy and grace and patience, thank you. Thank you that you sustain us long enough just to finally, finally, finally open our eyes to what it is you're doing. To see that right now, not one moment back then in the glory days, but right now is the time of your favor. Now is the day of salvation. Lord, I pray that you would write on every single heart that is in this room or watching by camera online, I pray that you'd write on every single one of our hearts what you did for us when you went to the cross on our behalf. When you raised Jesus from the dead, the empty tomb, because it meant we have all we need to carry out all that you're up to. Give us that heart, that mind, those hands in the days, weeks, months, years ahead as we as a church step forward reaching people because we are co-workers with you. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.